0: The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello and welcome to the weekend edition of the Football Social Daily. The Premier League is back, back in business after the international break and it's the day job, the grunt and the grind, but in reality... We would not have it any other way. The title race, the top four battle and the relegation scrap are all back on the agenda this weekend as we approach the final straight of the 2021-22 Premier League season. We're taking a leaf from the Match of the Day book on tonight's show as the title race takes a slight backseat as we're pushing it into part two as Liverpool and Manchester City both picked up All important wins this weekend. So, push forward into part one is the Champions League battle. Manchester United held at home to Leicester City and Chelsea stung by the Brentford Bees at Stamford Bridge. And then to wrap it all up, we'll be covering the remainder of the weekend action. Some really, really important wins in the race for Europe, Europa League, Conference League, as well as the Champions League as Wolves and West Ham both racked up big, big, points. So, plenty to get through on tonight's show. My name's Fergal Brennan, and on Sunday night duty, we have the Stretford Paddocks' Jay Motti. Jay, happy to be back to reality? If that's what you call it, reality. <laughs> it's well, it's big, real reality. Yeah, it's United a grim, drawing at home when yeah. they should be winning is
1: reality. It is, to be honest with you, yeah. It's 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 good to be back to, to see one all draws at Old Trafford. I've missed them.
0: Okay, that's the spirit. Uh, Alongside Jay, we also have Rob Blanchett from the Manchester United fan podcast, The Masterclass. Bit of reality, but a bit of, you know, same old.
2: It feels like we've been watching these draws for 10 years at Old Trafford now. So for me, yes, very much. This is Groundhog Day and I am very much Bill Murray.
0: (laughs) That is a great film though, Groundhog Day. I always think it gets a bad rep in these situations because people always associate it with a situation that they want to get out of. But as an actual film, it's, it's brilliant. Uh, and Bill Murray, in fairness to him, isn't, isn't particularly typecast for it, which is uh, always the sign of a, of a good actor. Right, enough about Bill Murray. Let's move on to Manchester United. Because, Jay, it was Groundhog Day. To steal that cliche, it was Groundhog Day at Old Trafford yesterday. Manchester United won, Leicester City won. And another blow for United in their push for top four or their push for Europe full stop between now and the end of the season. Pretty drab showing at Old Trafford. And, and Leicester definitely had more about them. They were hungry. Tactically, they were good. Really, really good goal. Brave header from Kalichi Iheanacho to to put them in front. James Madison was really good in midfield. And in reality, they probably could have had two or three or maybe even four in the the closing stages. And and United just they look like they're ready for the season to end. They look like they're ready for whatever is to come this summer, whether it's an overhaul of the squad, whether it's an immediate change of management when the last ball is kicked. United look ready for the whistle, not to be blown just yesterday, but to be blown on their season.
1: Yeah, there was a certain feeling of, of that, definitely. And it was frustrating because, you know, it's not over yet. You still want to see your team playing for for the points, playing to try and get into top four, no matter how unlikely that is. And also just playing for the fact you've got 76,000 fans there that have turned up to see you try your best. And it did feel a little bit like this was almost a testimonial at times. That You do want to see a little bit more urgency. You mentioned there about Leicester and and having more, uh, more chances or whatever. But what disappointed me the most was the amount of space they seemed to have I've seen Leicester come to Old Trafford before and we've crowded out Madison. We've sort of earmarked him as someone who can cause problems and, and dealt with him. And we didn't, we seemed to give him a little bit more time on the ball. The likes of Ineacho and, and Harvey Barnes as well seem to be getting free. I mean, Ineacho missed a chance. Harvey Barnes had a couple of long range shots and then obviously Ineacho gets his goal as well. So we did have a couple of warnings and we just didn't heed them. So yeah, it's just, it's a frustrating time at the minute being a Manchester United fan. And I think that, you know, nothing sums up frustrate, frustration quite like seeing Marcus Rashford look like he's going to go through, Andy Alanga coming from offside to sort of tackle him, and then Bruno Fernandes running over to the referee to call for a penalty. I think that just sums up where Manchester United are at the minute. And, you know, you're looking at it and you're going, what what do you do for the rest of the season? Do you, do you start bringing in some some fringe players, some of the younger players? Do you play your strongest team week in, week out? Do you just still go for it? It's just a bit of a mess, you know, Does do the players fully believe in Ralph Ragnick, knowing that he's going to move out of the dugout in, in a matter of what, weeks now. It's just, yeah, it's it's, it's really disappointing from a, a fan's point of view to see the club just stagnating the way it has. You know, this was a, a season that offered so much at the beginning of the season. You know, when we made those signings of Jaden Sancho, Rafael Varane, um, and then brought in Cristiano Ronaldo we had so much expectation and it's just fizzling out and you know we're sat in seventh which is the lowest we've been for a little while and it just feels like yeah I'm almost at a point
0: now where I just want the season to end The managerial situation with Ralph Rangnick Rob, is a difficult balancing act for him for the players because There is just this assumption that the minute the season is over, he's going to move into his new role and then a new manager will come in. And just reading through his quotes from his his post-match press conference yesterday, everything just has this feel of just spinning the wheels, just waiting to get through these last few games. And some of his answers to the questions, he got asked if a draw was okay, He said, yes, it was okay. It's obvious that Marcus Rashford is short on confidence. He's got no idea on replacements, whether someone has been highlighted, whether someone is being brought in. He has no idea what's going on. And everything about his demeanour, which is probably not his fault. I do think he is quite a quite a straightforward character. Everything about the way he's operating alongside players that look lethargic and disinterested all feeds into this idea that this summer either there's a big tearing up of the plan or this is just going to continue for Manchester United. Well,
2: look, it's all so very Manchester United. Everything we're seeing, we've seen before
0: current Manchester United.
2: Well, well current Manchester United, last 10 years Manchester United since Robin Van Persie played for the football club. I, I, I don't know. You know, this is mm. something that has perpetuated itself and has existed for a while. So, you know, as United fans, we have expectations and obviously the media have, thinks United should be in every title race. The truth is this football club is in a bad place from top to bottom. So, you know, you just talked about Ralph Ranick there. You know, I think he's a really good coach. I think that if they'd given him time to fix the problems at United and I'm talking, you know, a a year or two, something along those lines, that you might have got a song out of him. He's a builder of football clubs. He's proved that he can do that. But what really can he do in the four or five month spell that he's there? What you're seeing now is that these footballers are thinking, hmm, summer holidays. That's what they're thinking. And you get that. You know, when you're at the ground, even the fans are a bit like that. You know, me and Jay go there as journalists and as as Manchester United supporters. And you get that. You walk out the ground, you think the season's done. Everyone knows it and everyone feels it. And yet, yeah, you're still chasing fourth, but there's no trophy for fourth. So there's a whole kind of narrative around what United want and what United need. But I think at the moment, you just need this season to be over.
0: Looking at the picture between now and the end of the season, Jay, we we kind of assume that there will be some sort of European qualification for Manchester United this season, whether it's a Champions League place via the top four or it's a Europa League, but it, it's not necessarily as clear as that. 30 games played, 51 points on the board, and United are in seventh. Wolves behind them in eighth. They have played a game more, but they are only two points behind them. The, the picture can change very, very quickly, and there is, there is a stack of games between now and the end of the campaign, but... They're not easy games. Just running through the fixtures between now and the the last game, Everton away, Norwich at home, Liverpool away, Arsenal away, Brentford at home, Brighton away, Chelsea at home, and then Palace away on the final game of the season. So there's some really difficult games there, particularly a trip to Anfield and a trip to Arsenal, who are gunning for top four as well, and then Chelsea in the penultimate game at Old Trafford. Ralph Rangnick has to do something to zap these players because we are facing a fairly strong possibility that United continue on this little bit of a slide, Wolves push on, and United get forced out of the European picture completely.
1: Yeah, that is a possibility. We've got to be realistic about the, the points that United have been dropping and say that there's, it's not beyond the realms of, of you know reason that United do drop out of the top seven. I'll be honest with you, I could live with that. I could live with us going into next season, not being in the Europa Conference, or the Europa League. I know there's pl- probably plenty of fans who are listening who disagree, who want United in Europe, even if it is the sort of third or second tier of Europe or whatever you want to call it. But I would like to see United actually probably, you know, be able to focus on getting our league form back, on, back to standard and, and the new manager coming in and, and working on that. But, you know, that you're not going to just want us to lose matches. So it is a bit of a contradiction. I don't want us to lose football matches, but I wouldn't mind if we didn't end up in the top seven. I mean, ultimately, United should be able to take enough points and stay in at least the top seven because, you know, you mentioned Wolves are are sort of on our heels. Yes, they are. But the reason that Wolves are in eighth and the similar reason to the reason United are in seventh, because they drop points. They're inconsistent. That's why you have teams just above mid-table. You're not above mid-table because you're fantastic and you're winning every game. You're you're just above mid-table because you drop a lot of points. So, listen, there could be some more twists and turns. I personally think, you know, I've said it last time I was on and that was about three weeks ago, that top four was done. I think that's that's Arsenal's, um, you know, maybe Spurs, but I think Arsenal certainly have the edge there. But I, I expect Manchester United to, to, to qualify for, for the, the, the European places. I think it'll probably be the Europa League. But who knows, because we've been so poor in so many games, and you mentioned those fixtures coming up, a trip to Anfield, a trip to the Emirates. People kept saying, oh, well, we can still get top four if we go to Arsenal and beat them. And I think, well, where are you getting that from, looking at our form, especially against some of the top teams? It's not been great. So it's, it's there's, there's eight games left to play, but I'll, I'll be amazed if United won half of them, to be honest with you. And that's not me being pessimistic. That's just me going off the form.
2: I'm with you, Jay, as well. I want eighth. If you can't get fourth, get eighth. We're not interested in these tin pot trophies that are not the Champions League or the Premier League. So that might sound kind of um, slightly snobbish or something along those lines, but Manchester United needs a complete rebuild. It does not need to be going on Thursday nights to Hadjik split. It doesn't need it. It needs to be sorted at home. You know, so if you get eighth this season, that will be a complete nightmare in terms of the objectives for the season. But my God, that's absolutely the best thing they need for the future.
0: Before we move on to Chelsea-Brentford, Rob, I just want to ask you about Leicester. A really positive performance from them yesterday at Old Trafford, and Leicester fans driving back down the M6 last night were probably a bit frustrated by some of the decisions. Obviously, James Madison's goal getting ruled out, controversy over Scott McTominay um, getting or not getting getting booked and not getting sent off. We know that there was a lot of uh, anger about that on social media for Leicester, but. Manchester United fans are frustrated about this type of performance and this type of result, but Leicester fans must be absolutely tearing their hair out. They've only won back-to-back games in the Premier League once in 2022, and they can see that their players and their team and Brendan Rodgers can turn in this type of a performance where they're one VAR decision away from winning at Old Trafford. But the picture of their season sees them in ninth. They're 14 points behind Manchester United in seventh. They do have some game in hand, They should be also in this conversation. We talk about inconsistency. There's maybe no greater example of a team in the Premier League this season that have underperformed. Leicester should be in the race, possibly on the edge of the race for top four. And now they're in a position where the likelihood is only by winning the Europa Conference League will they be playing European football next season.
2: Yeah, look, I think with Leicester because obviously they won the Premier League not so long ago. There's always this now elevated expectation as a football club that they should be at least in the conversation to be, quali- you know, qualifying for European competition. And of course they should be. But we mustn't forget that at the start of the season they had lots of injuries. They had to deal with that. That was a big problem for them in terms of staying, you know, in the top half of the table and at least moving up the table. Uh, you saw yesterday against Manchester United. They're a good team. You know, they're well organized, they're well drilled. You saw that what Brendan Rodgers does as a coach but it also showed how bad Manchester United are as a set of players so I think this is the kind of the flux of it I think if Leicester this year they're going to end up mid-table one way or the other um, and that's not a bad thing they can reset they can go again next season they'll do what Leicester City do they'll go into the transfer market they'll look for gems they'll find a way United on the on the flip side are going to have to try and build a championship winning side from eighth now that's a much tougher prospect so I think with Leicester I think with Brendan Rodgers his stocks fallen this year it was only literally three or four months ago we were talking about him coming to Old Trafford as a potential coach for, for United that isn't going to happen now but I still think he's a really really good manager and I think Leicester City are well positioned for the future I think they'll be fine next season.
0: Biggest result of the weekend was undoubtedly Stamford Bridge, Chelsea won Brentford 4, Rob. So we're going to give you a minute to, to revisit your prediction from a couple of weeks ago where you mentioned that you think Chelsea are going to start to slide, Arsenal might leapfrog them into third... This is the first game they've lost in the Premier League since losing to City in January, but this was a performance where Thomas Sucal, similarly to Ralph Rangnick at Old Trafford, was unable to put his finger on it. He said he expected a bit of a slow performance in the first ten or fifteen minutes as everyone settled back after the international break, etc. But they were picked apart by Brentford. Brentford really did their homework on how to punish Chelsea in transitions, that they were slow in building out from the back, and really, really positive performance from Brentford, which we'll we'll look at in just a second. This is a point of frustration for Chelsea and with Arsenal in form, Tottenham in form, there is the danger that you could be right. Well, part of my
2: job is to look at tactics, you know, certainly with the shows that I do and the work that I do, and we kind of dig into every team. So I've studied Chelsea really since Tuchel was there, and, and from beyond. And and obviously this season it was about Chelsea being title contenders, wasn't it? You bought Romelu Lukaku. You're you're the champions of Europe, and now champions of the known world. And this should be where Chelsea are. The truth is, that this Chelsea team has not progressed since it won the Champions League. So they've sorted out their defence, but this season they have not been able to really sort out their attack. So I think when you look at the balance of it, it does not surprise me that someone like Brentford could go there and expose this Chelsea team. And this is why I said I thought Arsenal will end up above Chelsea in the table, because Arsenal on a good trajectory. You look at what they're doing and all the good stuff and the games in hand and just the general vibe around the football club you look at chelsea it's a little bit stale they have obviously issues with the ownership and there's plenty of players who are knocking on doors saying "Mm, i might want to leave now so i think this chelsea team is between a rock and a hard place i think fourth is their destiny they'll still be in the champions league it means that next year they can go again but you've got to look at it you know tuchel was expected to challenge for the title this season Mm. chelsea have fallen way short of that ambition
0: Brentford, on the other side of it, Jay, will be absolutely delighted with this. The chemistry and the link-up between their attacking players was absolutely massive yesterday. Brian and Mbwemo and even Tony didn't get on the score sheet, but they were huge in terms of creating space and creating chances. Two goals for Betal Janelt and, obviously, Christian Eriksen, who's been slap-bang in the middle of everything that's been good about Brentford over the last couple of weeks, goes away on international duty, gets himself two goals for Denmark as well. and He's been so, so important for them. Looking at the numbers based on the last 10 seasons, the old 40-point magic mark that, that Sam Allardyce used to bark on about isn't really the case anymore. People that are better at maths than Sam Allardyce have come back and said that it's 35.7 or 36, essentially, that's enough to stay in the Premier League. This was a brilliant performance for their fans. All of the goals in the second half were scored in front of that little pocket of Brentford fans at Stamford Bridge that was brilliant to see because them going to Stamford Bridge and winning when they're such close neighbours is is absolutely massive. And they look okay. I'm really sorry, Brentford fans. I don't want to jinx it for you, but 31 games gone, 33 points on the board. If we're looking at that 36-ish mark, they should be okay. And based on their form, when they've needed to turn it on, they deserve it. Yeah, they have and they do.
1: You're right, and I think is it three wins out of the last five games. A big, big win, like and you're saying, and it's it's been a sort of positive story on it, Brentford this season because we've seen teams come up and just struggle and just you know look at Norwich for example, who are doing so well in the Championship come up and are just rooted to the bottom, and then you see someone like Brentford come up. They haven't got a lot of money, but you know it's the first time in the Premier League, and and they've got some big results. They got they obviously started off in the first game. I think it was a Friday night against Arsenal to get that win. And then you know the most recent game, a win at Stamford Bridge, and Christian Eriksen thrown into the mix as well, just adds to that sort of feel-good factor to what's going on. And it was a massive result for them, and they, they did what they needed to do. I mean, if you look at the stats, I was looking at stats, I couldn't believe it. It was like Chelsea had seventy-one percent possession and got beat four-one. That's remarkable. Do you know what I mean? To, to sort of have sort of almost you know three quarters of the ball and yet still end up getting beaten and beaten comfortably. So Weldon's Brentford, they've got obviously. Like I said, they've, they've been a real positive force this, this season in the Premier League. I think I do like you. I don't want to jinx them. They, they they will stay up, and it'll be interesting to see what happens to some of those players because like some and um, Tony and maybe one or two others, are they going to be there next season? Is someone going to come in and start looking at them? But in terms of this season, it's looking relatively comfortable for them and going into the the, the campaign. I think a lot of people tips them to go down. So. You know, it's, it's good to see because you don't want it to be predictable that the teams that come up automatically get relegated. You want to see some of them doing well, and that's what Brentford have done. 36
0: is the new 40. Um, Anyone that is turning 40 will be delighted to hear me saying that, but I'm talking about Premier League points, Rob. Would you agree that's enough for Brentford? 33 as it stands, one more win, maybe a win and a draw, just to be sure and that they should be OK?
2: I think they're safe already. I think they're fine, and I think they'll go down next season. <laughs> so I, I, I think that's the whole thing with these teams that come up with a, a with the expectation of that first year where they can come and they can express themselves and then the second season it's like them it's like the musician with the second album syndrome isn't it how do you surpass that first gig that you did so I, I think that uh, they're a great story Brentford and the manager's a great story and obviously when we're talking about Christian Eriksen I do think that they'll find it difficult to progress next term they'll be back in that mix maybe for for the bottom three. But I think this year they've been comfortable, haven't they? You know, we've, I've watched pretty much every game they've played and they've looked every bit of Premier League side in the same way that Leeds did, say, last year and the same way that Sheffield United did the year before that. You know, look very comfortable in their own skin in this division. But it's really, really tough to do it once the summer's ha- come and gone and other teams are strengthened around you.
0: Yeah, so Rob is nobody's friend after that game at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea fans, your top four <laughs> position is potentially at risk. And Brentford fans, enjoy it while you can because you're going to get relegated next season. Copyright Rob Blanchett. We're going to come back to that, Rob, next season. I'm going to definitely, I'm going to jot that down and I'm going to come back to that. But uh, let's just see how we get on for this season as it stands. Right, we're going to take a break. After the break, it is the title race, as you were for Manchester City and Liverpool. Liverpool enjoyed themselves at the top of the table this weekend. But... For Jurgen Klopp, it only lasted a couple of hours and it is all riding on the big one next weekend at the Etihad. We're going to grab a quick break. After the break, we're going to be discussing the latest picture as Pep and Jurgen go toe-to-toe. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport social.co.uk. Welcome back to the weekend edition of the Football Social Daily podcast. As always, here on the Football Social Daily, we are your daily source of all things premier league every single day with a brand new podcast if you hit subscribe you can get access to a new episode as soon as it is ready right top four race is in the bag from part one so we're moving on to the title race jay liverpool 2 watford nil burnley nil manchester city 2 absolutely identical for City and for Liverpool as they look to jostle ahead of that big one at the Etihad next weekend. So looking at Liverpool, pretty routine. Anfield. Diogo Jota taking the attention off Salah, not giving his best performance. Mane on the bench, obviously, coming back on the back of the World Cup playoffs. So I want to look at Mohamed Salah, and, and Liverpool fans will be saying this is absolute nonsense, but it has been a tough start to him, t- tough start to 2022 for him. They got beaten in the AFCON final on penalties by Mane and Senegal. The exact same thing happened again last week in the World Cup playoff. They're two big knocks at international level. And by his incredible standards in the Premier League, this is his driest spell in 13 months. Just one goal in the Premier League in four games. Man City fans will be listening and saying, stop talking now because you're not going to hat-trick next weekend. But... There's a lot floating around about him at the moment. There's talk about his contract, that it's done, but there's no announcement when it will be signed. He is an unbelievable player, but right at the point where Liverpool need him to be at his supreme best, he's dipped ever so slightly. Yeah, I mean, I think the term there is ever so slightly.
1: I think the expectation and the the sort of... And like you say, the, the, the fact that he is so prolific, that when he does have a little spell where... He's not banging them in every week. People go, okay, he's had a little dip. I think ultimately, you know, he will turn up for the rest of the season. I think it has been a difficult time for him. I can only imagine the sort of the pressure and expectation that's been on his shoulders with almost an entire nation looking at you to deliver the, you know, the the sort of the, the international glory. It must be unbelievable. But he's also benefits from a, a, being in a team where other people, other players can pick up the slack when he isn't. This isn't Liverpool aren't just a one-man team where if Mo Salah doesn't score they're in all sorts of trouble. As a United fan, I wish they were, but they're not because they've got the likes of Diogo Jota, they've got the likes of Sadio Mane, of course, who didn't play, but even Roberto Firmino, who I've not been, always been his biggest fan, but he can come into the side and do a job. And and the the, the new kid they brought in as well, um, Luis Diaz, Diaz, he didn't even play, did he, against Watford? Mm. But he's come into the side and been effective as well. So they have got other players, obviously. Mo Salah's the, the main man and rightly so, but I, I think he'll he'll be fine. I think it's been a tough little spell for him. He'll come through it because he's just so good that you can't I can't imagine any other outcome than him banging in a load of goals between now and the end of the season, to be honest with you.
2: And when you look at Salah, when you actually really look at the stats, played 28 games this year in the Premier League, scored 20, 10 assists. He's miles ahead of everyone. So when we're talking about him having a dip, you know, I think he kind of can afford a dip. He's still going to be the top scorer in the Premier League. And he's probably, at this stage, going to be another Premier League winner. Ooh. Ooh.
1: Ooh. Ooh.
2: It's
0: sort of another big prediction there from Mr. Blanchett. <laughs> before, before we look at uh, Manchester City and Rob tries to dig himself out of that hole before he gets accused of being a Liverpool fan, I do want to ask you a different question on, on Salah, um, Rob, because Jurgen Klopp. When he came back after the AFCON final, he basically just left him to his own devices. He went straight back into the team, started and kind of there was all this talk that there was no public reference to Senegal winning it. And Mane just said he wanted to crack on and and get back to business with Liverpool. That seems to be the case after the World Cup player final as well. Mane obviously took a bit later to come back because Senegal won and he was celebrating. And then exactly the same time, same this time round. So... That seems to be the way that Klopp and Salah deal with this. They go, listen, forget about it. We'll pick this up in the summer. We'll pick your contract up in the summer. But for now, it's blinkers on. Is that going to work this time? Is that going to be Klopp's tactic this time?
2: Klopp's objective is to go and win silverware. We know this. But I do think the, the story around Mohamed Salah will, will only get more interesting in Obviously, I just said there, there's nothing really wrong with his form. Liverpool are chasing titles. I think Liverpool are the slight title favourites as it stands the bigger question now is that will Mohamed Salah be at the football club next season and I think that there is a big doubt there and obviously it's been reported that this, this contract is going to get signed but that we're also hearing conflicting reports as well from his camp so I do think that that might be the story as we go into the end of the season and if that is the case that will mean that other football clubs will come knocking and we'll start to hear that now in the next few weeks
0: Flipping across to Burnley, Manchester City, 2-0 away from home at Turf Moor. Exactly the same scoreline, exactly the same situation in the title race for, for Man City and, and Liverpool, J. We mentioned at the, at the start before the break that Liverpool were top of the table for a couple of hours. Man City, small bit of pressure on them and they reacted. This was really straightforward for them and Pep Guardiola is very methodical in the way that he goes about these things and and that will be his brief between now and the end of the season is to just basically say to them, go out and do that again and again and again. And And he won't really change a massive amount against Liverpool next weekend. It's a huge, huge game, but there is only really one way that he does it. He has his way of doing things and through sheer will of tactical ability and individual quality right the way through the Manchester City squad. Nine, 9.5 times out of
1: 10, they get it done. Yeah, yeah, And you mentioned the word squad there, and look at the squad he's got. I mean, you know, it could have been, I know Burnley are struggling, could have been a banana skin there. You're going away to Burnley, you are fighting for the lives, and it's, it's you know, it's a dominant performance by Manchester City, and he mixes it up slightly. You look at their bench, you know, he starts Nathan Aki, you've got John Stones on the bench, you've got Bernardo Silva, you've got Riyad Mahrez, who's, who's very prolific in terms of goals and assists. So they've got all these different options City. And that's the sort of the, the, the impressive thing about them or the depressing thing from a United point of view is he can mix it up, he can change his midfield. I was talking to a City fan who was saying that, you know, Gundogan, Rodri and De Bruyne isn't his preferred midfield, but they can do that. They can change it and drop someone like a Bernardo Silva and still get a result and a comfortable result at that. Yes, they've got tougher opponents on the horizon in Liverpool, but when you can afford... To take someone out of your squad, give them a little bit of a breather, give them a rest, and then bring them in for the big games. It makes all the difference. I have a sort of distant memory of that as a Manchester United fan, the way Fergie used to do it when we were winning titles and Champions Leagues and those sorts of things, mixing it up. And when you've got an, an easier game, bringing in someone and then replacing them with your, your first team when the tougher games come on. And that's what City are doing and they're doing it well. And you know, one thing that I always notice about Pet Guardiola is you can see that sort of desire for perfection. I was watching a little bit of the game and when you see him, you know, when City score or when they look comfortable, he's still ranting and ra- ra- raging on the touchline and that's not a criticism. That's just an indication of where he's at. He doesn't sort of sit here and go, OK, job done, this is easier. He'll know, as Rob's already said, Rob's already got Liverpool pegged as, a, as title winners, but he'll know Liverpool aren't going to let up. He'll know, obviously, he's got to be at the top of his game to beat them at, at the Etihad. So I don't expect him to let up and, you know, it's just depressing that we're in this situation again where it's going to be either Liverpool or City, this keeps happening to us.
0: All attention will now turn to the Etihad, Rob, and that big game next weekend. But in the meantime, both of them have got a Champions League game to play. Man City at home to Atletico Madrid on Tuesday night, and Liverpool travelling to Benfica. And, any little edge that can be gained, whether it's psychological, whether it's tactical, whether it's within the team, any any little advantage before that game could prove to be to be a big one. And there'll be Man City fans looking at flight radar and Skyscanner and trying to ch- check out the Liverpool flight and how long they've been travelling for and have they had enough meals and all this in between. But there's there's a bit of balance in act here because Man City have got a more difficult game. Atletico Madrid knocked out... Um, who did Atletico Madrid knock out in the previous round? You don't need to have forgotten that. I've <laughs> heard Fergal. What was that? Yeah. Fergal. <laughs> You're better than that. Um no, I genuinely did <laughs> actually forget there just for a second and then I thought, do you know what? I'll leave that in for effect. Yes, apologies. That that genuinely wasn't a dig. It started off as an accident and then turned into a dig. So they knocked out United in the previous round. Up against City, they are they are an excellent side. They're not in the running for the for the La Liga title this season, but they are defending La Liga champions. And Benfica are no mugs but Liverpool have got a really good record against Portuguese sides they seem to go to Porto every season and batter them just to progress through the Champions League and that's where the balance comes in Liverpool do have to travel but we're dealing with Premier League footballers they're not going to be on Ryanair they're going to be absolutely streamlined all the way there and back whereas Man City will have a battle against Atletico Madrid
2: they will do but I must admit you know and let's be honest. The two English teams—they're the favourites in in, in, in in the competition as well. You know, we look at them. You know, the expectation is to go and win these matches. I think the biggest point here is with this game coming up over the weekend—is do you can do you can be able to keep your players healthy? You know, will you go and play these Champions League matches, and are you going to lose two or three starters? Now, that's really the bigger thing. So, I think that that will play a, a, a real big part in in the in the result and the fixture coming up in the Premier League because you have to make. Make sure that you somehow rotate and keep these players fresh. And this is why the the European Cup can be a real hindrance if you're chasing the Premier League, certainly against uh, a team that's also chasing the Premier League and the European Cup. So it will be more about how this is stage managed, I think, over the next few days. And you might see that maybe one of these teams will rest one or two players. That in normal situations, you would think, yeah, they would start a Champions League match. They may well be saved for this big Premier League contest.
0: Just quickly on Burnley, Jay, before we take another break and and wrap up the rest of the action from the weekend, it's rinse and repeat from them. And Sean Dyche, I'm I'm kind of impressed by the calmness that he has because they had a a little burst of form at the back end of February, beat Brighton, beat Spurs, got a point against Palace. And it it seemed that that was when he's going to turn the wheel. But he stood there at the end of the press conference yesterday. They haven't scored in four games. And he just said the same thing over and over again. And I'm still backing him on this. He said, we've got 10 games left. Let's just see how it goes. And they do. But we're going to talk about Everton after the break and the position that they're in. That game in midweek at Turf Moor, Burnley against Everton, and we know there's games in hand for Burnley and they've still got to play catch-up and Everton have got a couple of games in hand themselves. That's now massive. But Sean Dyche, it really doesn't matter because he's so confident in his ability and his squad's ability could end up being his undoing to drag themselves out of this. Yeah, I mean, he might be doing that old thing that some managers do of being very
1: calm and, and collected and, you know, protective of his players in public and going absolutely berserk behind closed doors. We don't know. But one thing he has got over Lampard is he's been here before in this relegation. Many right. times. It- many times and frank lampard hasn't you know he was obviously he was at derby when they, they were chasing promotion from the championship and went to chelsea And no matter how things bad things went at chelsea he certainly wasn't in a relegation fight so is that going to make a big difference for for burnley perhaps it could because they do have that experience like you said you know it, it it is obviously a massive game between burnley and everton rob's picked Everton to go down i agreed with him when we was on the show last time together he said that And I think that's probably going to be the case. And I think the only way I'll change my mind is if Everton beat Burnley. I think if they beat Burnley then, I think they can get themselves out of it. But if they lose to Burnley, I think they're in all sorts of trouble. And I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I think Burnley can get that result. And I think Sean Dyche will know that if they get that result against Everton, that changes the narrative completely. Because at the minute, I mean, no side near the bottom is in great form. But Burnley in particular, they have been very, very poor over the last sort of four or five games.
0: Yeah, we're going to get stuck into Everton after the break and the rest of the action from this weekend. There's still a lot to be decided down the bottom. Burnley, Norwich, Watford, Everton, Leeds, potentially Brentford, potentially Newcastle. They're all still in the shake-up to go down. So we're going to be looking at the final four games from this weekend after the break. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Sunday night's edition of the Football Social Daily. Before we get stuck into the final matches this weekend, just a quick shout. You may have seen on social media that we picked ourselves up a shiny award in midweek. Yep, the sports podcast awards chose the Football Social Daily as the best news and current affairs. Podcast. Obviously, making a daily Premier League podcast can be a labour of love or it can just be a straight up labour some days, depending on uh, the type of work that we have to get through. But we're genuinely very, very grateful for everyone that voted for us, everyone that's a fan of the podcast, listeners. You've all played a big, big part in this. So thank you very, very much. Right. Let's get stuck into it, Jay Everton. We touched on them just before the break. It just keeps getting worse. David Moyes is West Ham, 2-1 win at the London Stadium today. Captain for the day, Michael Keane, sent off. And we've flagged up the Burnley game in midweek that's going to be massive. But perceptions, body language, form, everything is massive in a title race and in a relegation battle. And everything about Everton at the moment just seems to be heading in a negative direction. It
1: does. It really does. And that sums it up when you, you, your captain gets um, sent off for two yellow cards as well. And it's a big bug, bear man. mind. We spoke about this in the past. When you know you're on a yellow card. Behave. You do something. Yeah, you, you, you do it. And OK, it took him, I think, was it half an hour between his two yellow cards? But it's not that great, is it? To be honest with you. And, and that's ultimately cost his team any chance of getting back into the game. I mean, Everton, I watched a little bit of it and... I've got a couple of mates who are toughies, and I feel for them. They're the only set of fans I feel for more sorry for than United fans at the minute, because no matter how bad we think we've got it, I think Everton fans. You look at it, and you know some of the football they're forced to watch, some of the performances, some of the decisions that, that that go on. It's just it's just beyond belief, and they're in all sorts of trouble, and they have been for a little while. I think their away form in particular has been egregious. And it is it I can't remember the exact start. You you've probably got it there. They've they've lost. I don't know. Is it some like ten or some out like the last twelve or some away? I can't remember. You can correct me if I'm wrong there. Evertonians, but I know it's pretty shocking. I know the home form's not been. You know, it's it's, it's the home form that sort of kept them, stopped them from being rooted to the bottom of the table. But when you've got players like Key making that decision like that, and also Alex Awoobi as well, when he lost the ball, I think for the for one of the goals, it's just it's just not good enough. I mean, it's just basic mistakes. And that's what's going to end up costing him. I've seen there's been a bit of a question mark over Lampard. Was he right to take Dominic Calvert-Lewin off? A few people saying that. That was a a, a bad decision. But ultimately, regardless of whether he's making the decisions or not, if you've got players who are just making basic errors in games
0: like that, you're going to struggle. Yeah, just double-checking the numbers that you're saying there, Jay. They've lost their last five Premier League away games. It's a really poor record, particularly when you look at the teams that they've lost against. They lost 3-1 to Newcastle, 2-0 to Southampton, 5-0 to Tottenham, then, obviously, then this weekend to to West Ham. And I think there was a record that I spotted on Twitter before. They've not had a shot on target in nearly 90 minutes of away football in the last month. And that's a really, really damning situation for, for Everton to find themselves in. Rob, It is probably going to come down to a a straight shootout between two, maybe three teams. We mentioned right at the start of the show that we think Brentford are okay. So looking at the picture now, is it one of three, Leeds, Burnley and Everton? If we assume, apologies Watford and and Norwich fans, that we're thinking you're already down. Is it just a straight fight between those three now, Leeds, Everton and, and Burnley?
2: It's Everton. Because they've got no characters. So I can talk about that and so can Jay because we watch Manchester United and they've also got no characters. So you, you see this in football teams that the way to keep your head above water during bad times is to at least fight Get out on the football pitch, do the bare minimum, Yeah, do the basics. This Everton team are a complete disaster. You could have Frank Lampard in charge or you could have Sam Allardyce. It doesn't really matter. The playing staff are not good enough for what it is. So I think when you look at Everton next year in the championship, they're going to be the big dogs. They're going to be the team everyone wants to beat. Goodison Park will get an extra 12 or 24 months before they move into their new stadium. Everton will get a chance to come back to the Premier League. But I truly believe that they're going to get relegated. When you look at Burnley and what Burnley. Burnley do, Burnley are just going to beat them up at Turf Moor, aren't they? Burnley are going to say, we want to stay up more than you. And this Everton team hasn't got a prayer.
0: If that's how it goes down in midweek, Jay, is that it for Everton? Looking, again, there is still a lot of games to go. Burnley have had 28 games and Everton have had 28 games. There's, there's also a, a flip side of this that Frank Lampard is trying to say, where Sean Dice is just saying it, of we've got a lot of games in hand keep the faith in what we're doing. There's enough that we can scrap and scrape. Leeds are on 31 games with 30 points. They can get sucked back into this. There is so much being thrown on the fire for Burnley Everton in midweek, but they also need to harness the fact that they do have games in hand, but they're just not winning games. And this is the difficulty that if Everton just won two games from 10 between now and the end of the season, they'd be in a position to be okay. Three, and they'd probably be safe. Similar situation with Burnley, three, four wins from ten games. Burnley fans, Everton fans, they're not asking for the moon and the stars. They're asking for average form in a critical stage of the season just to make sure that their head stays above water.
1: Yeah, I mean, there might be another twist. There might be. We've seen it with a couple of teams, haven't we? I know, obviously, Newcastle brought in a lot of signings, but they went on a run, didn't they, when they looked like they were in all sorts of trouble. Brentford, we mentioned them earlier. Winning three out of five has just moved them right up the table, and now we're sort of talking. Rob was mentioning there earlier, and I agree with him that they're looking pretty safe, so it can happen. It's just I don't know where those wins are going to come from from these teams. Obviously, Everton versus Burnley, there's something going to one of them is going to be, unless it's a draw, one of them is going to win that one. But if any of them can get their act together and just put about a little run where it's you know a few wins out of five or six games, that could make all the difference. So it'll be interesting to see what happens because. At the moment, you're looking at, from sort of Leeds downwards, a lot lot of teams that are just struggling. I know Leeds' form hasn't been that bad, but you mentioned there that you think they can still get sucked into it. It's just, you don't know how much of a difference it could make just one result. One result could be the catalyst, one win could be the one where you go and build on it. And if you can get into a bit of a situation where you take six or seven points out of a possible nine even, or 12, that can sort of move you out of that. bit of of trouble that you're in because at the minute looking at the likes of of Burnley and and Everton Rob said about the lack of characters it's just when you keep losing games and you just there's no sort of optimism there's no belief it just seems to be never-ending and all those teams they just look like they're really struggling and it's not just a case of dropping points and losing matches it's the performances as well you're looking at performances and you're just seeing heads drop all the time and that's got to be really worrying from their fans point of view
0: uh, right, we're going to look at Leeds because obviously they are still in the position to be to be sucked into the relegation battle if they're not already even still in it, Rob. So thirty-one points, as you mentioned, uh, sorry, thirty-one games, as you mentioned, thirty points on the board. They got themselves a one-all draw at uh, home to Southampton on their return to action after the international break. That's seven points from three under Jesse March, and he's had he's had the effect at Leeds that Everton fans thought or hoped Frank Lampard would have at. Everton, and it just hasn't happened. There's been no bounce, no new manager impact from Frank Lampard coming in. Jesse March has, has reinvigorated Leeds to an extent. They're still in trouble. I still think they're going to have a big, big say in the relegation battle. And because Jesse March doesn't have time to change too much, because Marcelo Bielsa's way of doing things was so ingrained in these players, whether he tears up the rule book this summer remains to be seen. But for the here and now... He's kind of just got to roll with the punches because he's only got a limited amount of time to work with the players and they are in a difficult, difficult situation.
2: Uh, personally, I think Leeds are safe. I think when you look at where they were under Bielsa, so, you know, looking at the, the statistics conceded at the moment, 68 goals this season. That's incredible. they a uh, goal difference of minus 33. That's just mind-blowing. The difference is, I think, with this Leeds team, we just talked about Everton, is that Leeds have characters. There are players in that team that are going to fight until the final drop of blood. So I think Leeds might need another win or two to be completely safe. But as you just said, Dev, last three games, win-win-draw. I think it shows with Jesse Marsh is that he's an incredibly organised coach. Not many people know him in the UK, um, but he's shown obviously his previous incarnations that he can organise teams. You know, it's kind of his strength to be able to look and to find ways of of doing the counter-press and winning football matches through counter-attacking. And that suits Leeds, you know. I still think Leeds, without Bamford this season, that was a huge loss for them. Uh, and that injury kind of put pay to what they do really well at the top end of the pitch that was the end of the Bielsa era but I think Leeds are going to be okay I think that they've still got enough characters have got enough fight in them and I think they'll pull away from Everton mm, you know pretty swiftly in the next two weeks
0: So Jay just quickly because the the shows are running out between now and the end of the season I'm not sure who we've got on between now and the end of the campaign Rob's going with Everton to go down joining Watford and, and Norwich in the championship come on Put your money on the table. How's it going to go out? Well, last time I agreed with Rob. I said I, th- I thought Everton were were going to go down.
1: I'll 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 add a slight caveat. I think if they beat Burnley, they'll stay up. If they don't, they're going down. That's that's it. I think I think Watford and um, and Norwich will probably be the other two teams. I don't think Watford have had the quite the Roy Hodgson bounce they were hoping for. I think Leeds will just about stay stay out of it. And I think above them, it's, it's done, isn't it? It's the, the-
2: I think Burn- yeah, I think Burnley are going to barbecue Everton. Wow. I think they're going to go there what, and is, Burnley... This has
1: been y- y- Rob y- Blanchett getting right off any sort of fence <laughs> and putting his money where his mouth is and <laughs> just not holding back. He's not sat on the fence at all, As
0: he, with any predictions today. There's a, there's a running theme here, which is Rob's tipping Liverpool for the title and Everton yep. to get barbecued and bar-be-cued. relegated. <laughs> I think he's after That's- a job. Is
2: there something you're not telling us here, Rob? <laughs> I, I, ju- I just had that image there of Sean Dyche in his kind of pinafore there, you know, flipping stakes, going, come to Turf Moor, you know, have a great time here and we're going to absolutely dismantle you Everton. And, and Frank Lampard standing there with tears in his eyes. So I, I think we're for, as United fans here, it's going to be a hard end to the season because I think we're going to see Liverpool win the title and the other half of Merseyside disappear down into the next division. But that doesn't really help us as United fans, does it? But I, I think the, the Everton season are kind of pushed their their own luck haven't they you know throughout the campaign they've just got worse every month have not they just a little bit they've not you know they've not been able to recover it but you know Sean Dyche he does this every year doesn't he he finds a way he's a poker player that's why I think when he gets interviewed and they talk about relegation he doesn't care because he's just done it all before and if I'm gonna bet on a horse in the next few weeks to kind of stay above the relegation zone and to get out it's Burnley
0: I've got the advantage of I will be on the majority of podcasts between now and the end of the season so I'm going to say draw midweek at Daish's barbecue. he's going to give Frank Lampard something, a doggy bag to go home with so I think Everton will get a point and it's going to roll on for a couple more weeks but I've been saying for a while now I think Burnley are going to dig themselves out of it I'm looking at their games between now and the end of the season they've got Everton at home in midweek Norwich away next weekend I think they can get a win there and there's There's exactly what Sean Dyche will want between now and the end of the season. Mid-table teams at home with nothing left to play for. They've got Southampton at home, and they've got Villa at home, and they've got Newcastle at home on the last day, who'll probably already be safe. So I think it's going to be Leeds and Everton and uh, I'm going to leave that as a, as a TBC that we'll get stuck into next week from my prediction, but I think it's going to be Wal- uh, sorry Leeds and Everton that are going to be duking it out in the last couple of weeks. Right, we're going to move on to the final couple of games from this weekend. West Midlands bragging rights in favour of Wolves, Jay, for the full season. They've done the double over Aston Villa, 2-1 win at Molyneux yesterday, flicking it all the way back to the start of the show at Manchester United because Wolves are knocking on the door. 49 points, they're two points behind United. Granted, United do have a game in hand, and this is Wolves country over the last couple of years. Nuno Santo, when he brought them up, back-to-back Europa League finishes. Obviously, that's changed now because it's top six for Europa League and the Europa Conference League. They've always been in and about that conversation for the majority of the season. There's very little pressure on them because it's Manchester United above them, but Bruno Large is keeping them right in the running. Yeah, he
1: is, and like you say, it's their territory. It's, it's what they're used to, and, and what they you know they've done well in the past. Obviously, they got a new manager now, um, and in terms of form wise, they're doing okay. They've I think is it three out of the last five they've won, which is obviously better than you know better than Manchester United, um, and a, a big win for them and as a fan, you know, there's nothing better or a few feelings better than winning a, a local derby. So that would have been one that gives them a massive boost as well. Um, it's it's gonna it's it's one of those where. You, it's almost difficult to say, oh, nailed on, this is going to happen. Nailed on, Wolves won't catch United. Or nailed on, you know, sort of, West Ham will slip down or whatever. That sort of area around the table, like I said earlier, around the sort of Europa League places, all them teams are so inconsistent that you just it's so difficult to predict. Obviously, Wolves, big result, a, a positive result for them and their fans. Can they build on it? Yeah, they're probably looking at, at United. I know we've got a game in hand and look at United and go... United have just dropped points again at home when they should have been expected to win that one. United have obviously, as you mentioned earlier, have got those tough fixtures coming up. Again, we've got to go to Anfield. We've got Chelsea at home. We've got um, a couple of other tricky ones. Wolves have got their own difficult fixtures, but they've got you know games they can win as well. If you look at it, I think they've got Brighton at home. They've got Burnley away, which isn't always the the, the game it was. They've got Norwich home as well. I know United have as well. So it's just it just seems so difficult to call. I'm, and like I said earlier, part of me is, part of me, because I don't ever want to see United lose matches, but part of me is hoping Wolves do, you know, overtake us and leave us in eighth.
0: Final game of the weekend, Rob, and again, we're going to take a leaf out of the match of the day book because Dean Smith said he was surprised that their nil-nil draw away at Brighton would even make it onto match of the day. And this was a full-on snore fest. Neil Maupai's missed penalty in the first half was the only real action of note. And Norwich... I think we've already kind of signed their death warrant of of going down to the championship and Brighton are okay, they're safe, but there might be a small bit of frustration with Brighton because there is a lot of positivity around the team, around Graham Potter and the football that they play, but their form in the last couple of weeks is, is is dreadful. In terms of recent form, they're they're down the bottom with with Norwich and with Burnley because they've just not managed to get it together. They've only got one point in their last five Premier League games. And yes, they're okay. Objective number one from the start of the season is achieved, but You have to obviously balance expectation and I'm not saying that Brighton fans getting on Graham Potter's back would be justified because he's a good manager who's done a fantastic job with them. But just tailing off like this is going to lead to fan frustration, even if it's inevitable because they're probably not good enough to break the European spots.
2: Well, look, Brighton fans should remember where they were a few seasons ago, you know, swimming around in the bottom division as a club that might go out of business. Uh, I think when you look at Brighton and their expectations, they're always going to have a bit of a full ceiling, aren't they? So when they're doing well, that's fantastic for the football club. But look, they're 13th with 34 points this season. And yes, they've only got one point of the last 15 but they're in about the position where they should be. Let's be honest. So they're clear of the relegation zone. They're they're one of those clubs that are always going to have to do that, aren't they? They're going to have to just find their way to to stay up in the top division. But when you look at Norwich as well, like why did Norwich bother coming up when they come up from the Championship? Because they <laughs> I don't, don't think you're they, allowed they, they, to choose that. I don't think you can they, say no. Well, I don't know you, you can kind of choose if you want to win in the championship and win, win the title and, and then yeah. literally come to the Premier League bank the money that you get for coming up the 50 million quid and then you come 20th. So it's a strange football club Norwich because they never show any ambition to actually do what Brighton are doing. So it's, it, it's funny when you kind of compare all these football clubs they are all in the same similar boat. It's just that they all do it just a little bit differently.
0: Yeah, I think you've probably kind of answered your question, your own question there about why Norwich come up. And it's it's that 50 million uh, big ones that they're able to pocket when they do come up. But another season for Norwich and and probably another likely relegation. But there's still plenty to go between here and the rest of the season for the majority of teams in the Premier League. Just a quick one ahead of tomorrow's podcast. It's going to be a cracker of a show. Tottenham 5 Newcastle one. Marley's going to be picking the bones out of that one alongside Jim and Niall. And they're also going to be previewing Monday night action. The Patrick Vieira derby in South London as Crystal Palace play host to Arsenal. But for tonight's show, we're going to call it a day. Jay, Rob, great stuff as always. Thank you so much. Next time, Rob, can you not sit on the fence as much? It's, just, it's difficult, man. I just wish you'd put your
1: neck
2: out on the line and just give us a prediction it's it's all about the predictions isn't it this time of the season <laughs> and that's what that's why we get paid the big money
0: That is indeed why we get paid the big money. Right, we're all off for a barbecue round at Sean Dyches. Uh, Rob's big mate Jurgen Klopp's giving us a lift, so we're going to have to nip off because he's waiting to drive us up to Sean Dyches. Frank Lampard is on the menu. He is getting, to quote Rob, absolutely barbecued. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. As always, we're back tomorrow, right the way through to the end of the season with a daily Premier League show. Hit subscribe up the top and you can get access to that as soon as it is ready. Thanks so much for listening and we'll speak to you again. Very, very soon. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.